Praise the Lord. Good morning. Beautiful people. You look good today. Amen. Well, uh, got a few things today, but you know what? How many just appreciate Jonathan? Come on. And, uh, and really the whole team, I know Hodney's like, I really appreciate him. That's her husband. So, uh, that's good. And, uh, and just the worship team, huh? Dave, the team. Can we just cheer for them one more time? Thank you, bro. Thank you, brother. That's awesome. He says, this is living water. Puts out the flames. Can't put out this flame, though. It's God's flame. So anyway. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yay. Uh, well, good morning. Father, we thank you for today. And, uh, Wow, we just recognize your presence here today, here to refresh. Whew. Oh, wow, there you go. Just just received the Holy Spirit this morning. Right where you sit, how many just are feeling refreshed by the Lord right now? Just the presence of God upon us. Lord, we thank you that you promised. You said this, that your spirit is with us, but would be in us. Um, and... Uh, and so you're both you're both inside of us and upon us this morning. <laughs> we're filled and we're anointed and as your people. And that's all the people of God. And so we thank you for that. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Before we get to the message this morning, there's just a few things I want to mention. Uh, one is um, Annie just mentioned they uh, her and Buck. They've got a bunch of bread that uh, it was it was uh, over. It was uh, Salvation Army a bit too much, so they just give it away. They've got it out in the car today. They don't want it to go bad. So if you uh, need some bread or just want some bread, I think they're just happy that somebody. So don't feel like you need it. If you don't need it, you just want it. Go get some bread uh, from the steels and because uh, it's better to be eaten than to waste. And um, yeah, what's that? Yeah, well, just eat it. So, uh, yeah, so see them afterward. And, um, and uh, also, before I forget, my, my, uh, my wife greets you this morning, my wife Amy. And uh, also, Molly, my girls were there in the background. And there was, so Amy said, please say hi to the church for me today. And then I heard Molly in the background going, and tell them I said hi too. So, Molly and Chelsea, and anyway, greetings from the Rice family. Uh, they're unable to be here today because of 299 being closed. Um, thankfully, I was able to get extreme favor and write up with somebody who had a permit to go on 299. And uh, so I jumped on that on Friday and uh, thankful to um, thankful to Barry and Bev for their hospitality and putting me up. And uh, so I've been very comfortable and blessed and um, able to be here. Uh, also, so yeah. Greetings from my wife. She's, she said she was praying for the service this morning. And, um, and also, I just want to say uh, thank you to, uh, hey, Dave and the team. Jonathan, I know, led worship last week. For those of you who are here, I heard it was amazing. And, um, and so I tell you, when I planned to be away that weekend, we didn't know that <laughs> what would be happening that weekend, you know. And... Uh, Dave's like, I seem to always be covered when something crazy's happening. And I said, well, it, I guess it just means the Lord trusts you. And, and so, uh, but really thankful. I, it means uh, so much to know that um, 
that that uh, everything is in such good hands when you're gone. And um, I had determined not to go anywhere for for at least a year. You know, I, I don't want to miss a Sunday at all, you know. And um, so originally my friends that I went to BSSM with uh, way back 2001 through three, Josh and and Robin Biddlecombe invited me up to Washington, Richland area to speak at their youth camp. And I, I still do love speaking to the young people. And and um, and but I told them originally, I, oh, I'll pray. Let me pray about it. But I I uh, know if I should if I should be gone. Is that handheld around? I think I'm going to use that because it's cutting out a little bit whenever you get a chance. Um but anyway, uh, so thank you for your blessing and that um, as well. I do want to just share with you briefly, um, and then I want to have Tom come up and give us a give us a little information. But uh, actually, why don't we do that quickly? You want to just come on up at perfect timing on the handheld? Thanks, Rich. Uh, Tom's got some uh, just some info for anyone who's interested in the fire. Okay, just uh, for those of you who can picture things from two ninety nine. Heading north towards uh, the eastern edge of Lewiston, they've secured a fire line all the way along there, all the way past Lewiston, past Deadwood Creek, and up to the top of uh, the ridge line between Jennings Gulch, and they took it all the way back to the county line. They fired that out last night, wow, praise God. and it's all black. Pretty much stops the westward advance of the fire. Oh, wow, so that's good news. Lewiston and Weaverville yeah. is going to be okay. No homes involved at all so far. Praise God. Thank you for that. So good to have inside information, huh? And and I just felt like what you were what you felt earlier, if you would just quickly release that and, and release that prayer of hope and that encouraging word you had in life. But that is good news, right? Come on. That is awesome news. Um, yeah, I was sharing with Brandon earlier that as I was and obviously I know you guys are all aware of what's going on. But as I was driving into into town, um, coming to church, I felt like it just felt felt very hopeless. And I, I was looking around and it looked so lonely. I'm like, what is going on? It's like, God, it doesn't feel right. And I know that all of us are in this, you know, kind of what are we doing? I, I know a lot of people are evacuated and they're worried about their homes. And we have a lot of friends and family um, and Reading that have lost their homes, and there's just so much going on. And um, and I, I felt it last week, and I felt like we had such a huge breakthrough with that. We had people that came in for prayer, specifically for their families and for their homes. Um, and so one more that I want to release while we were in worship, you know, I was thinking about all of his promises, and we were saying, you know, all of his promises are yes and amen. And... Um, I feel like oftentimes we're not, our homes are safe, but we are suffering for our friends. But I was thinking of Job, you know, what happened to Job? He lost everything, and he still praised God, and he still went through confusion, and he still went through all these things, but I was thinking he praised God, and he remembered his promises. And so today I want to declare his promises over us, and I feel like that was important for us to, not, not just for ourselves, I haven't lost my home. I'm blessed with my family here. This is my first year in this situation, but we feel super blessed and covered. But I know that there are people out there that lost everything, Um, not just their home, but their family members. 
last things that were valuable and important to them. And, um, and so I just want to release these promises over them and over our lives today, um, just to be standing for them. And so um, one of the promises that I was reminded is that he is for us. He's here for us. He's not against us. He's for us. And he goes before us wherever we go. And that is a promise that he gave us. He's here for us. So remember that when you're declaring over the fire, he's here for you. We just took communion and we said thank you for his blood. He paid for it all. So when you're standing for everybody, remember that he paid for it all. Uh, The other promises that I was promise that I was reminded that he is faithful, that in the midst of it all, in the midst of losing everything that we have, is that he is still faithful, that he restores all things. I know that we can't bring some of our family members back, but he will restore our hearts. He will restore everything that has been lost. The other thing is that his his mercies are new every morning. So for every person that has lost hope, that has lost even their faith in God at this point, that has lost a family member, that has lost their joy. I pray right now, or oh, even their finances, I pray right now that His mercies are new every morning. And it's not just the mercies for us, but it's for everybody in the world. It, whether we believe in Him or not, His mercies are new every morning. He is here to give us joy, to give us peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding, that's what he's here for, even if we don't understand. So right now, we just pray for all of the evacuees right now in Reading, in, in our town, right now in our high school, that he will begin to release his peace, that he will release, he will begin to release his hope and his joy. In the midst of all understanding, you're going to see people just begin to worship him. And be glad, not about what they've lost or what they don't have or their confusion, but because of who he is. And then the last thing is, he said, I will pour my spirit over every single person, over our town, over our neighbors, over the whole world. So right now, I just declare that every single person will begin to feel his presence, that they will begin to worship him. People are going to come to you and they're going to be, man, I just feel Holy Spirit. I just encounter him like never before. They're going to begin to share their testimonies. And so I also want to release your testimony that this is the time. Whatever he's done in your life, begin to share that. Because that testimony is hope. That testimony is a promise that he is good all the time. All the time. That he, he's, he's just good. And that he's our father. So I, I pray right now that he would give you courage. To, to release your testimony, all the good things that He's done in your life, that you would go out and step out in faith and believe for every single person that the love that you've encountered, the, the reconciliation that you've encountered, the forgiveness that you've encountered, the riches that you've encountered through Christ, that, that through your testimony, that people will begin to encounter that as well. So I just release that. <laughs> Yeah, Father. Come on, that's a good word. It's amazing how you, you notice how the atmosphere just shifts when, when the promises and hope gets released. So thank you, Hodman. I uh, just love your heart of compassion. You know, that's one of the things that you, always, you know about Hodme when you get to know her. Is she's got a real heart of, of godly compassion. 
And, uh, and so we, we love that. Amen. And, uh, you know, I mean, even Jesus, it's amazing, right? Even Jesus, who didn't lack, I mean, he, he had perfect faith, limitless, he had the spirit, he gives the spirit without measure, limitless access, limitless power, really. And, um, and yet even Jesus would weep with tears of compassion. It's amazing. You know, anyway, different. That's a different subject, but it is a powerful thing. And so just to say, like, when you feel that, you know, uh, there's always joy that's going to follow. But but often the Lord draws us in to a difficult situation by giving us compassion for where somebody else is at. And we got evacuated last Thursday from our home right before I flew out Friday morning. I was going to cancel the trip. I said, well, I'm going to call Josh and Robin and cancel. Uh, and he goes, you are? And I said, well, yeah, I can't leave you guys just running around, you know. So, um, and uh, <clears throat> anyway, some friends took us in and we felt so secure and taken care of that she goes, well, you might as well go. There's nothing else you can do. And I said, all right, I'll go. And, um, and so, um, yeah, but, uh, <clears throat> but I said to my mom, you know, we got evacuated. All day Thursday, I was sitting there and I was thinking, wow, this this fire is really tough. Man, so tough for people. Thank God we're so far from it. It'll never touch us, you know. And next thing you know, I go outside in the evening and like the billows are right there. It's like three and a half miles away and helicopter. And I thought, well, that escalated quick. And uh, within the half an hour, we were mandatory evac. The hills were on fire. We're driving down the road and. And I just, as I was driving away, for what it's worth, you know, as I was driving away, I thought, you know, I thought my heart was in touch with this situation. But it's funny how when you are suddenly displaced, you kind of go, I kind of feel a little bit cold hearted before compared to what I feel now when it's directly affecting me. And, and I, I don't, I like, I make an effort to be in touch with what's going around. But isn't it funny how that happens, you know? And it's just a good reminder to remember what it's like for those. And so, and this is the answer, though. Releasing hope, releasing the light, releasing the promises, right? And um, we have compassion, but sort of like feeling bad constantly doesn't really help people. You know, if it's compassion is an expression of love. Uh, and, and sometimes you might think, well, what can we do? But you'd be surprised what an encouraging word full of hope can change somebody's day. It can turn somebody's situation around. And so whoever you meet, you can't fix. You know, I heard a quote, you can't help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. And so wherever the Lord leads you, bless you in that. Um, I wanted to give a quick report and um, kind of a lot to cover this morning. But I wanted to give a quick report on the the Washington youth camp that uh, because, you know, when one of us has fruit, it's all of our fruit that we share in. Right. And um, I'll just tell you. I was ready to cancel that trip a couple times. God did things to make sure that I went. We got there. And, um, you know, it was a, the first night was really good. A lot of kids who had never really experienced God personally. And uh, there was a, an in, intrigue, an interest. But a lot of them just kind of looked at me, you know, the first night. And um, except for there was like a handful of young leaders in the group. They laid on the floor for like two hours after the meeting being touched by the power and presence of God. It was beautiful. 
Uh, and I thought, well, man, that's what God's doing. The next night, I, was, I had planned to preach on the Holy Spirit with faith that God was going to baptize him in the Spirit and touch kids. Well, during worship, the Father's love just came into the room. And I said, oh, I, I don't think I'm going to preach tonight. And uh, so I went and told, I, I had the, the keyboard continue to play. And instead, just began to help the young people. I just began to follow the Lord. Suki gave me a word before I left. She said, just, she said, oh, just obey the Lord. I'm like, well, I plan, I'm thinking, I plan to obey the Lord, you know, but it was a good word, you know, and I thought, in that meeting, I thought, this is it, you know, just always be open to follow the Spirit. and Don't get stuck to your plan, even when you're pretty sure you got it from God in the first place. And, and, uh, and so I thought, well, this is what God's doing, so this is what I'm doing. And, and, uh, and so I began to just lead the young people to the Father, like in a in an encounter and uh, just kind of speak to them and allow them to connect to God. And I'm telling you, the minute they did, the minute and, and just giving them freedom, like whatever's in your heart, just express that to, to the father. And he wants to touch you. He wants to speak to you. I'm telling you, as soon as I began to talk and lead them in this, Holy Spirit came into that room. In such a way, there was about, it was a smaller camp, like 45 kids, and plus, I don't know, it was just a little less than 60 people in all, including leaders. And, um, and I'm telling you, kids who had never experienced God were a wreck. Like, the same kids who were just staring at me the night before is now on the back, on his, on his back, hand raised, shaking, crying, being touched by God. And it wasn't just, it was, it was... Honestly, it was most every kid. I, I, I look around, you know, I look around, and it just seems like every single kid is encountering God. And the presence of God just continued to increase. And, and one kid spontaneously got his tongues, his prayer language. Nobody even talked about it. He just, he got it because that's what the Holy Spirit does. And, um, and, uh, and I tell you, I just sat there thinking, God, you are amazing. One girl at the end of the night, um, she like went into like this constant vision. And whoever got around her, all the kids were circled up around her. Not all. It was a circle of about ten kids around her. And whoever stood next to her, she would start prophesying. And it was like she was, whatever she saw, she would begin to say, this is what I see. And and it was just nail. I went and stood by her. I got a word. And... Um, and uh, that's just a taste, really. But I, I just want to share with you that, like, oh, yeah, I was bummed to be away from here, but knew that I was in the right place. And um, to hear from my friends, the youth leaders, the next day, those kids have never experienced anything like that. And uh, you know what, what I love, too, is that when, when the Lord just shows up and does it, that's, that's my favorite. You know what I mean? And, and it was like everything that the Lord had led me to, to preach about. It was like he just said, you know what? Scratch that. We're just going to do it. And, uh, and I'm like, and that's what people need anyway. People need to encounter God. Right. Not just people need to hear, but they hear so that they can encounter. And um, and uh, and so we have the hope. We have a living hope and we have the answer. We do. And. Um, So never underestimate what you carry. And that leads me into uh, the message this morning. 
And I want to talk to you today about um, about um, we're going to call it uh, intimacy with God through prayer. And uh, and the subject of prayer is is uh, an important subject, right? We knew Jesus went through and was kicking over tables because all the money changers and people were trying to make a business out of the house of God and, um, you know, and uh, basically price gouging them for their uh, offerings. And, um, whoa, what a bummer, right? And we know that, what, what did Jesus say when he went and he cleansed that temple? He said, my father's house will be a house of prayer. And so we know, we know prayer is important. And it's, you know, and, um, but I think growing up and, um, and early on, God had put a love for his presence and also a heart for prayer in me. And but I remember early on in that journey, sometimes feeling like prayer is hard work. Right. Or like a duty. You know what I'm saying? In other words, prayer is something Christians are supposed to do. And if you're a good Christian, you're going to pray. How many hours a day are you praying? You know, like. You know, or whatever, right? And how many chapters are you reading, et cetera? You know, as if, as if there's like a check boxes in heaven, and God's like, well, let's see how much you're loved today. Two hours, you're really loved today. No, you know, so uh, <laughs> you know, that's a joke, but it's funny how we actually live that way, feeling that the pleasure of God over us is actually dependent on how we have fulfilled these sort of religious duties. And um, and uh, and so my heart today is to talk about intimacy with God through prayer. It's a super long message. Normally, we're going to go after it today. I'm going to warn you, there's quite a bit of scripture, but we're going to we're going to go through it anyway and um, condense it. So. Uh, so here we go. Um, number one. Uh, I want to say that what position do we pray from, right? So, so I guess for me, the subject we call intimacy with God through prayer. For me, the subject is really about intimacy with God. And when you have intimacy with God, you're praying all the time on accident anyway, practically. And, and when we come... But when we come at it as like the subject of prayer, the capital P, the big block letters, prayer, you must pray. You know, I know I'm supposed to pray. And, uh, you know, I know I'm the only one who's ever been on this journey. Right. But but um, but, you know, you go to pray and then uh, you think maybe I should be doing something different. I remember in the early days, going, maybe I should be doing something different than I'm doing now in prayer. And I remember telling my spiritual father, I said, uh, I said, you know. I go to prayer because I want to pray for people and stuff. But when I get to prayer, all I can say is, God, I just want to know you. Reveal yourself to me. And, and he's like, that's, that's good. Keep doing that. And uh, because the because the ultimate le- like like the highest level of prayer really is just union with God anyway. And, and if we if, when we get to the place where we stop trying to please God with our efforts and instead realize that he delights in us, then we can just get to enjoying him. 
And that's when real prayer is happening. And, it, and as I said, it, it happens on accident. And, and so a lot of people think, you know, that I have to set like their egg timer and make sure they stay on their knees by their bed for 30 minutes and whatever. And, and uh, you know what I mean? Suki's laughing. She's a woman of prayer and, um, and knows God. I love Suki. Always with an encouraging prophetic word. And uh, look, can we give her a hand? Let's just celebrate her. Yeah. Part of the glory of God is the people that he gives you, the people he puts around you. And, uh, and the truth is, is that you will never truly know the fullness and the overflow of the love of God. We know it directly first. But the truth is, we'll never overflow and experience the joy that God has for us without knowing God's love through one another. Amen. And so when we try to go it alone, we dry up and, and it applies to this this uh, subject as well. So John fifteen fifteen, 15, um, we're going to move through this today. It's dense, but it's going to be uh, uh, Jesus said in John fifteen fifteen. He said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. Number one, what about intimacy with God? We come, we come as sons and daughters who are called to be friends. How does God see you? Not as a slave or a servant that he can get something out of, but as his beloved son and daughter. You know, my kids... I don't need them to do anything for me. I just like them to sit by me sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And, and even my, my older kids, it's like they come, they sit by you. They just want to be by you. It's like, you know, if they were kind of there groveling, well, what can I do? Should I wash your feet, Dad? Should I tie your shoes? They don't want to wash my feet. But like, should I, should I, you know what I mean? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Yeah, sure. Sometimes we do things for the ones we love as an expression of love, but... But the enjoyment is happening just because we're together, even if we're not even talking. We can just sit there side by side, you know. And, um, and so God, number one, we come to God. We're called by him first. He said, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you. You know what I'm saying? And we wouldn't even have known God if he didn't come and choose us. He saw you like blind and walking around, not knowing which way is up. And he said, that's the one I love. That's my kid. Come home. And so we come to him as sons and daughters who are called into friendship with God. Isn't that amazing? So God has secrets that he wants to tell us. <laughs> okay. Uh the Lord said to me one time, I was driving a forklift, I believe, and he said to me, he said, uh, he said, you know, I've had many servants, but not many friends. Who? And I heard in that statement the cry of God's heart where he says, and, and I knew what he meant. So many of his people relate to him as servants, groveling servants. And he's like, why? Why? You remember the story of the prodigal son? He said, I'm no longer fit to be a son, but maybe, maybe, maybe he'll take me home as one of his servants. And even that would be better than the life. I, I'll be happy just to be a servant. I think we come to God that way, right? Like he loves us and we go, honestly, I'll, I'll be for you, whatever you let me be. 
And he goes, well, you're my son. You're my daughter. And, um, and you know, the father in that story is the perfect picture where the son's like, I just hope to, to be able to sleep with the ser- you know, in the servants' quarters and eat what they eat. And the father goes, hey, my son is home. Gives him the best, runs to him, gives him the best of everything. So God is looking for sons and daughters. And, um, and so maybe that's for you today. Just maybe there's a shift happening for somebody today saying, wow, there's just a new level of friendship with God that's opening up. And, uh, and I bless you just to, I pray even for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open up that revelation of how much God delights in you. And so God is looking for those with whom he can entrust his heart. This is what it comes down to. You know, we're often trying to perform in the Christian life, but there's something in here that you, you can't, like, all the performance in the world can't substitute a heart for God. And the reason we have a heart for Him is because we experience His heart for us. And, and so, God, but God is actually looking for those that He can entrust His heart to. In other words, to say, you want to know what's on my heart? You know, Alan Hood, uh, is a teacher that I enjoy. And uh, he said, the Lord spoke to him one day in his prayer time. And he said, and he was going through all these calisthenics, Christian, you know, working hard in prayer and the, and the Lord. And he just telling the Lord how he'd failed him. And this is years and years ago, you know, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I feel you here. I feel you there. And the Lord finally spoke to him and he says, Alan, when are we going to get to the good stuff? Me. <laughs> quit. quit. You know, quit talking about all your bummers and how you think you're failing me. And just, I want to talk, I want to reveal myself to you. Wow, that's a good word, right? And that's when we're changed anyway. How many know we never got transformed by feeling guilty about something? Now, godly sorrow is an important part of true change and repentance. But, but that's like, godly sorrow is what you feel when, you're, when you are connecting to God. When you realize... You know what I mean? But that's different. But I tell you, we're transformed when we look at him and when we experience him. This is the God we serve. So there's some things here. Again, the Lord spoke to me one time and he said, he said, there's there's some things that you only ask of your best friends, of your good friends. And, you know, sometimes God says one thing and then all this understanding, you know what he means by it. It's powerful how he does that, right? And immediately I had this question. I thought, wow. Feeling the invitation deeper into God. What would you ask of me if I was just a little closer to you? Isn't that exciting to think about? Relationally. And, um, And so God is calling us deep. In him, you know, and Mountain Chapel, this is a place where people are going to come. This is a place where people come to encounter God. And you know why they encounter God? Because they come into a place where you gather. You carrying that flame of God inside of you, this intimacy that people walk in and they experience God because there are people here who are full of him. Amen. Number two. So first, we come to him as sons and daughters called into friendship, called into intimacy. Number two, this has to do with our position and, frankly, God's position. That we are in him and he is in us. 
That's a good word, right? I mean, it'd be great if we were just in him or he was in us, but somehow he does. It's like, it's like if you were a glass of water, he like fills you up and then drops you in the lake. You know, like you're, you're he's in you and you're in him. You, you're one. And, and so we're always, so this, this issue of, and again, we're talking about prayer, but for me, when I talk about prayer anymore, it really it just comes back to intimacy. It just becomes this love relationship that I'm not just talking about or hearing about, but that I'm knowing about with God. And, and every, it's God's heart that every human being on the planet would have a heart that is alive to God, who has not just heard of His love, but who has tasted of His goodness and has experienced His love. Amen. Amen. Like God's love is, is a love that is to be experienced. Love has to be experienced, right? Like you can tell somebody about it, but until they experience it, they don't know. You know, it's like when my first child was born. I'm like, I love God. I love my family. I love my wife. I love my friends. But when my child was born, I found a love that that I didn't know I could feel. It was a different kind of love. And it's that kind of love with God where it's like, it's like you, you don't know it exists until like you hear people talk about it. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And one day God gives spiritual birth to a person and they go, oh, you love me. Oh, wow. Now I can say like my ears have heard of you, but now I know now I've tasted and I know your love. And and so this this love, this intimacy with him that we're in him and he is in us. We're one. And so that. When we pray, when we encounter, when we interact with God, that we, we, we actually are not a people who go in and out of the presence of God. You know, we don't like make a journey to the throne room far, far away and then just shout because he's up past the planet somewhere on his throne in heaven. God, can you hear me? Sometimes we pray like that, right? Where are you? Where are you? Oh, you're in there. So you, you can't be far from God. So intimacy with God is easy. Amen. It's encouraging to anybody. Okay. So we're always in his presence. So our, our, our life of prayer and intimacy with God really here's the thing that our experience is determined by what we believe. Do you realize this? So this reality of understanding and like you may say, well, I never felt God's presence that way or God's love that way. You know, somebody out there may say that. And and but here's the thing. What is what you believe? In other words, what's true to you? Seems to be true for you. So what you believe as a man thinks in his heart, so is he what you believe and a woman too. what you believe your emotions, what you believe on a regular basis, your emotions line up with. Your experience lines up with. And it's funny how it works because then you seem to meet all kinds of people that confirm what you already believe to be true. And then you have got a list of evidence. 
of why you are the person that God doesn't love as much as everybody else or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Because the devil's a liar. That's the answer to that. And um, and so. Uh, so what what you believe to be true, every reality of the kingdom is experienced through faith. OK, so what you believe to be true seems true to you. But when you believe the truth, you're free. That's the thing. See, that's where the that's where the world go, is wrong. It's like, well, whatever you believe is true for you. No, whatever you believe seems true. But when you know the truth, you're free. And that's the difference, because there is truth. And when you believe it, when you so sometimes this this issue of like how how close do I feel connected to God? Really, really, the only thing that we need is to understand how God sees us. Not how we see God or how we see ourselves. That doesn't even matter. Like, we need to, when we see ourselves the way God sees us, I tell you, it's good news. And some of us are a little afraid to look God in the face because we're afraid that when we look there, we're just going to see disappointment anyway because we're already disappointed ourselves. Maybe we've had that expressed to us over our years growing up, right? Different things. And yet, I tell you, when you look, when you look the Father in the face, when you're in Christ, you look the Father in the face and all you see is delight and love. And a Father who's ready to cover love and lead. Amen. So we live from His presence, right? We're not trying to get in. Yeah, I like Acts 17, 28. It says, it says yeah, Acts 17, 28. In Him we live and move and have our being. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get away. <laughs> oh. All right, and so point number three that the Lord is our our portion and our inheritance. See, God is deepening the well, I believe, in our midst. And so some of the things that uh, that we're feasting on right now, it's so today, I just believe, I see it, like this intimacy with God is opening up in a deeper way for all of us. I don't know about you, I never want to stop. You notice that about a relationship, a love, an intimate relationship, a close friend, or, a, you know, like, have you ever noticed that relationships aren't stagnant? You ever notice that? Like, like you, you're either drawing closer or you're, or you're drifting. And, and, and relationships typically are dynamic in that, like, there's, they're, they're, they sort of, they, relationships move. You see what I'm saying? That's why when you've got a good friend and you haven't seen him for a while, what do you do? Hey, we gotta get together. Why? Because we haven't connected in a while, and even though we're good friends, we love each other, I'm feeling a little bit of this. Not that I'm questioning your heart for me, or I'm wondering if you still like me or love me, it's just that we need to come together so that we can draw close to one another and strengthen our bond. It's the same with the Lord. And, uh, and except for he doesn't change. So he's like this beam of light and love just radiating toward us. But sometimes we just get our mind in other places. And, and I'll tell you what I used to do. I used to, in the, when I was... Uh, walk in this journey early on, like, like I want to live aware 
of God's presence and connected with him at all times. And um, and I remember like I actually let condemnation get in on me. Oh, I got so distracted for a few hours, Lord. Oh, I'm so sorry, you know, and do all this. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? Like when we don't see each other for a while, do we come together and just start like groveling to one another? And be like, Tim, I'm so sorry. I haven't seen you over the weekend. I mean, I'm just so sorry. You know, we didn't we haven't talked on the phone, you know, Tim. No, we don't do that. We go, we go, good to see you. And we hug. And I realized like my relationship with God, how much more? With his unwavering love towards me that I loved at all times, delighted in at all times, and you are too, that, that I, so I, what, one thing I thought is, you know what, no matter what, condemnation's no fun, so I'm just gonna quit it. I'm gonna quit it. And, and God, I, I just remember praying this prayer in my early 20s, I'm like, and if I'm supposed to feel like bad about something, then you're gonna tell me, cause I can't handle that stuff anymore. I can't handle condemnation. And so I broke up with it. And, and God, God, and it was a powerful, actually, revelation how God woke me up with a song and a scripture and led me in a breakthrough from condemnation. But, but um, I'm like, I just, I break up with that thing. And so what I started to do instead was, I'm not going to beat myself up. Even if, like, you know, sometimes, like, even negative thoughts land. And you're like, you're like, how long have I been thinking about that? Like, you know, anyway. Come on, like you know, you've had that happen, and it's so like, how long have I been thinking about that? Like, what am I doing? That's not even worth thinking about. And um, and uh, but what I began to do in those moments is just go, oh, I know, it's as easy as this. Yes, ah, oh, I remember, Lord, I love you, and um, and so it's we call it practicing the presence of God. And so, when God says, and I'm abbreviating this, but, but I just want you to get this point. I'm going to give it to you as a point. Is that when, when God set, talks about being our inheritance, right? I'm going to give you some verses you can look up later. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. You know what a trick I learned about writing verses down? If you write the numbers first, you, always, you usually remember the book. But it's the numbers that you forget. So we hear 1 Peter 2.9. Just write down 2.9. 1 Peter. Uh, so 1 Peter 2.9, we are royal priesthood. 1 Corinthians 6.19. 1 Corinthians 6.19, you are the secret place. When we talk about prayer, we talk about going to the secret place. And I want to encourage you. Ha, the secret place is not a place that you go. Now, there might be a place that you like to go, that you make your secret place. And I love that. I have that those things, too. But I'm telling you that a secret place is not the closet in your house or your favorite lookout point, even though that's awesome. You are the secret place. You actually are the place where the presence dwells. You're the secret place of God. When I realized that, I thought, I am a walking holy of holies. They used to put a beautiful metal, like, you know, golden ark where the presence was behind a curtain. 
God was wherever that box was. You're, you're that box. You're the Ark of the Covenant now. A whole bunch of us walking around. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, come on. You can shout for that. So you are the secret place. 1 Corinthians 6.19, that was. Psalm 16.5, David said, you are my portion. Psalm 16.5, Deuteronomy 18.2. Deuteronomy 18.2, the Lord is your inheritance. And this is about when, when, when uh, the inheritance of land was being broken up to the children of Israel. We know that uh, he was giving everybody pieces of land, and then he got to the priests, the Levites, and he said, okay, guys, got something special for you. You actually don't get land. You get me. I'm your inheritance. So anytime you see the word portion or inheritance in the Old Testament, it's talking about a place to live that has everything you need. It's powerful. Now, a lot of you might, you know, if you read that verse wrong, it'd be like, you know, it'd be like, well, they all got land. Yeah, but you get me. You know, if you read that wrong, it'd be like, oh, where are we going to live? But you know, what's amazing is that in that scripture, what you really see is Matthew 6, 33 enacted way back then. That when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things get added to you. And that's what happened for the priests. It's awesome because he goes, he goes, I, I'm your portion. I'm your inheritance as priests. And that's why I gave you the Peter verse, because you're the royal priesthood, you and me. So our portion is the Lord. And the inheritance in the scripture is not about a chunk of money that your granddad left you. Because they, they didn't even deal with cash. It was land. And when, and when, and in a good inheritance, when the lines would fall well for you, then you'd go into that land and the promised land was like this. Oh, houses didn't even have to build it. Vineyards, mature vineyards didn't plant those. Look, there's a spring just flowing out of my land. I got a spring. I got all the fresh water I need. And so when God says, I'm your portion, I'm your inheritance, he's saying, I will abundantly satisfy every single need you have. And I'm not just talking about your money and your house and your food, and your clothes. Like those things aren't. But he's actually saying, I'm talking about the satisfaction of your soul. That deep inside, when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, when no one else is there and everyone else is asleep and you're all alone in the world, seemingly so, yet there is my abiding presence in my holy of holies and, and inside of you is a deep satisfaction of your soul because you're feasting on God. <laughs> it doesn't get better than this. Well... This keeps getting better. <laughs> right? That's what Jesus meant. You'll drink from this water. You'll never thirst again. A friend of mine said, that was a trick. I've been thirsty for more ever since. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but the word was, is you'll never be thirst. You'll never thirst again. In other words, you'll never be without a drink that satisfies. 
Oh, Lord, I love you. So when we're talking about prayer, prayer at this point really becomes something that it's almost not really even something that you do anymore. It's just something you are. You're just walking around like a, a being of prayer. Right? I mean, you're one with God. You're one with God. You're walking around. God and man walking around. Seems like wherever I put my foot, God is walking. What is prayer? I really would actually put that question, like meditate on that. Then what is prayer? It's not like now I lay me down to sleep or thank you for this meal, Lord. You know, it's deeper than that. It's, it's intimacy and we're, we're in his presence. And, and a key for me was that uh, in this is the Lord just began to teach me to be aware of his presence. You know what I realized? The more I began to believe and recognize these truths, the more I began to experience God in a deep way. And it's a way of life. Amen. And it's something like this. I'm going to give you, I'm going to read this verse to you. We're going to close here really quickly. I'm going to read two verses for you. But I'm going to read this verse out of Job, Job 28, if you want to turn there. I'm in the New American Standard Bible, so um, Job 28. So what is this life of intimacy like with God? Let me give you some imagery for it. So rather than line by line break it down, I want you just to allow this verse to create an image in your mind. Okay? In light of exploring God. It says this, it says, surely there is a mine for silver. There is a place. Lord, I thank you for, for revelation opening up. There's a place where they refine gold. Iron is taken from the dust and copper is smelted from rock. Here it is. Man puts an end to darkness to the farthest limit. He searches out the rock. You know, what? it's about it's a miner. This is a picture of mine shaft. Dug down deep into the ground. It's, he's mining for things. I got to get the gold, the iron, the silver, the gems. Iron is taken from the dust. Man puts an end to darkness and to the furthest limit. He searches out the rock in gloom and deep shadow. He sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. They hang and swing to and fro far from men. The earth from it comes food and underneath it is turned up by fire. Its rocks are the sources of sapphires, and its dust contains gold. The path no bird of prey knows, nor the falcon's eye has caught, have caught sight of it. The proud beast have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand to the flint, and he overturns the mountain at the base. He hews out channels through the rocks, and his eye sees anything precious. <laughs> He dams up the streams from flowing, and what is hidden, he brings out to light. When I read this chapter, to me, it, it is a perfect imagery of, of this beautiful 
thing that we are invited to. And it is called exploring the depths of God. First Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. It, it talks about how uh, I was going to read it, but it talks about how who knows the mind of a man. So who knows your mind? Right. Except for your own spirit that's inside of you is what the scripture is saying. It says, even so, the spirit of God searches all things, even the depths of God. So how are we going to know God in a deep way? God says, I know. My spirit that searches all of me, it's actually my own spirit, knows my mind, knows all the secrets about who I am and how I work and what I do and what I love. I'm going to take that spirit and put it inside of them. And so no longer are we like trying to build a tower. I just want to catch a glimpse of God. What's he like? I've got the spirit of God inside of me so that I'm living day by day. And instead of me striving and trying to add things up and piece things together and figure it all out with my mind, which I can never do. Instead, it's like this garden is just blooming constantly of revelation. I'm going to teach you this about me. I'm going to teach you this about me. And you can work and you can work anywhere. God's revealing himself through anything you're doing and things that you're looking at. Isn't that amazing? And so I used to think like what counts as prayer? You know, I'd be running and praying. I'd be running and I, I didn't go. I'm going to run and pray. I'd just be out running and my heart's moved towards God. And I just start praying. Sometimes I'd be running, crying, and running. Like, just like, I'm just going to intercession while I'm running. Oh, Lord. And people thought I was a maniac probably on the... One time I was praying in tongues really intensely on the river trail in Reading. And it was like in the summer and it was getting dusk. And, uh, and I was really, I was really, I was, I was having a good run, man. And, and I was in a little better shape than I am now right now. But, but I was just booking and uh, finishing up the last couple of miles and man I got this surge and I'm just and part of it too is I'm just like so I'm just praying in tongues loudly and running I thought I was alone on the trail I come around this one I come around this corner and there's a lady with her dog pulled off to the side like just looking at me I was a freaked her out what kind of weirdos coming around the corner and uh, I'm like so I just smiled at her and well Oh, good evening, you know, <laughs> try to lighten it up for a little bit. And, um, but you know, I used to think that like prayer, you know, I, I thought like there's like some kind of prayer meter in heaven, you know what I'm saying? Have you prayed enough today, you know? It's like, you know, it's like red, yellow, we're in the green zone. And, uh, and so, uh, and I realized, you know, I would be running and praying and I'd hear this little voice and he would say, this doesn't count. Which is such a dumb thing. Count for what? No one's adding anything up. Nobody's adding anything up. God's not adding anything up. He doesn't have an angel assigned to take note of, you know. And one day I heard that voice and I, and I realized I'd heard that voice a lot. It didn't like keep me down. It was just this little pestering, trying to steal the joy of my intimacy with God. And then this time I heard it, 
<laughs> and I just started to laugh, and I said, oh, it counts. <laughs> you wouldn't be so worried about it. You, why would you even talk to me? So that doesn't work anymore. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to read this and bless you. Would you stand? Romans 8. And we'll read it from the Message Bible. All around, as we observe a pregnant creation, the difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling, we're also feeling the birth pains. These stale and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. <laughs> we are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the longer, the, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. See, what I love about this is you don't even have to know what to pray. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Say it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. So when you don't even know what to say and you just go, God, oh. He goes, oh, that's a prayer. I, I know what that means. I understand. You know what? Parents understand their kids. You got a little toddler that comes up and says something. They're like, what did he say? You're like, what do you mean when he said he wants a sandwich? It's clear as day. I know what he means. God knows. He understands. He, but he understands when we don't even understand ourselves. He goes, I know what's groaning inside of you. That's my spirit inside of you, actually. Come on. If we don't know what or how to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That is why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is working into something good. <laughs> Father, we thank you that your love. If there's a prayer team here, we just come forward today. And Lord, we thank you that you truly are our satisfaction. That you haven't just called us to duty, you've called us to delight. This is what you've called us to. You've called us to enjoyment. And, and, um, and so today, if, even if there's that little voice for anybody that kind of tries to steal the joy or discount or it's condemnation and there's no place for it in the life of the believer it just it just doesn't matter and you know when it's God because when it's God you feel drawn close you feel loved even if he's calling you on something it's like oh you just feel drawn by him loved by him Anytime you feel like maybe you don't add up, 
or you're disqualified from intimacy and you're not whatever. And let me just tell you right away, don't investigate too far. Somebody's lying to you. <laughs> best thing about a lie is it's not true. <laughs> That's the best thing. It's not true. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, increase. As you lead us, God, and, and, and I just see that you're stirring up. Uh, oh, that, that God, we're hosting your presence here at Mountain Chapel. We're hosting your presence here. This is what it's about. You're, you're what it's about. We're hosting you. And that, God, you will bring people to come and to taste of you and to be changed. And to find that satisfaction of soul that you, you've created us to have in you. And we love you so much. I pray blessing on each family here. God, each one that even couldn't make it today or, or is on vacation or displaced, whatever it is. God, we thank you that, you that you'll keep them, that you will even bless them. And you will increase as the word was given earlier today. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.